Fridays come and go, but this one hasn't yet. There's still time to write out a few things about what's been happening in and around Charlottesville in recent days. But we'd better be quick, because the world we live upon will not stop turning. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for the December 3rd, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. On today's show, Charlottesville hires two department heads, and one from Albemarle County gets a promotion. The Board of Supervisors in Albemarle are briefed on the county's Stream Health Initiative, a campaign finance update for City Council and the Board of Supervisors, an update on COVID-19 in Virginia, some development news, and a familiar new owner for Wintergreen. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, WTJU 91.1 FM invites you to tune in next week for the annual Classical Marathon. It's a round-the-clock celebration of classical music, specially programmed for your listening pleasure. Throughout the week, there will be special guests, including Oratorio Society Director Michael Sloan, UVA Professor E. Jen Fang, Charlottesville Symphony Conductor Ben Rouse, early music scholar David McCormick, and more. Visit WTJU.net to learn more and to make a contribution. A small surge of COVID-19 is underway in Virginia, with a seven-day positive test rating of 7.2%. That's up from 5.9% on November 24th. The Virginia Department of Health reports another 2,598 cases today, with the seven-day average increasing to 1,836 new cases a day. 65.4% of the adult population is fully vaccinated, and there is a seven-day average of 28,534 shots administered each day. Over 1.3 million Virginians have had a booster or a third dose. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are 67 new cases reported today, and the percent positivity is 6.7%. There are now confirmed cases of the Omicron variant in the United States. Dr. Amy Mathers is an associate professor of medicine and pathology in the University of Virginia Health System. She's part of statewide efforts to sequence the various variants. We're contributing about 250 to 300 sequences a week, um, but we can only sequence what tests positive by PCR. That means the rapid antigen tests used in home-based tests do not collect the same biological information required for gene sequencing, which could limit efforts to identify the spread of the new variant. In the meantime, Dr. Kosti Safri urges calm while research is conducted. There's more that we don't know about the Omicron variant than we do know about the Omicron variant, and it's probably reasonable to first start with what we know. What we do know is that it's a variant that um, carries a lot of mutations, um, with more than 30 in the spike protein, as well as um, 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 uh, uh, you know, 20 um, or more um, additional mutations um, spread across the genome. Dr. Safri is the director of hospital epidemiology at UVA Health. He said some of these mutations are related to greater transmissibility and infection rates, but the emergence of Omicron is not unexpected. He said time will tell the impact on public health. It's not surprising that um, we're seeing it around the world at this point, more than two dozen countries. What is the efficacy against uh, uh, vaccines against, um, against the Omicron variant? We really don't know right now. We have heard of breakthrough infections, but of course we've also heard about breakthrough infections with Delta variant as well. 
Dr. Sifri said it appears vaccinations continue to provide benefits and more information and time will help test that assumption. He said in the meantime, the best thing to do is to get vaccinated and to continue to practice mitigation strategies. We are seeing an increase in cases, and it's important to, you know, since we were just talking about Omicron, to understand that, you know, right now, 99.9% of cases um, are due to the Delta variant. Um, We are, what we've been seeing this fall and now heading into the holiday season has been Delta. The major difference between this holiday season and last year's is the widespread availability of vaccines. Dr. Mathers urged anyone who was ill to take precautions. If you're symptomatic, get tested. Um, The only way we're going to see emergence of of new virus um, is get tested. And so um, following up symptoms or exposure with testing is a really also additional way to to help limit the spread of this virus. Dr. Safri said people who do get tested should limit contact with others until the results comes back. Don't go to work. Don't go to school. Don't go to holiday parties. If you've gotten tested, wait for your test result before you, um, you know, go out to the community. Charlottesville has hired two people to serve as department heads. Arthur Dana Kassler will serve as the new director of Parks and Recreation, and Stacy Smalls will be the new director of Public Works. Both positions have been open since September and were filled despite the transition at the city manager position when Chip Boyles resigned in October. Kassler comes to Charlottesville after serving as the director of Parks and Recreation in Louisville, Kentucky, where he oversaw over 14,000 acres of parks, natural areas, and other services. According to a profile on LinkedIn, he's held that position since April of 2019. Prior to starting work in Louisville, he was Parks and Recreation director in Parkland, Florida. According to the Lane Report, Kassler has also worked in Pittsburgh, Ponte Verde Beach in Florida, Kingsland, Georgia, and Athens, Ohio. Kassler takes over a position in Charlottesville in which he may oversee creation of a new master plan for recreational programs in the city. Stacy Smalls recently worked as director of the Wastewater Collection Division in the Public Works Department in Fairfax County. Smalls has been in that position since February of 2016. Prior to that, she served in similar capacities for the U.S. Air Force, including serving as Deputy Public Works Officer for the Joint Base at Pearl Harbor. She will oversee a Public Works Department in Charlottesville that took on responsibility for transportation design from the Department of Neighborhood Development Services during the administration of former City Manager Teron Richardson. Both Kassler and Smalls will start work on December 20th. They join Deputy City Managers Ashley Marshall and Sam Sanders, as well as NDS Director Jim Fries, as relative newcomers to municipal government in Charlottesville. In other personnel news, this week, Albemarle County announced that Planning Director Charles Rapp will be promoted to Deputy Director of Community Development, succeeding Amelia McCulley, who was retiring from the county after more than 38 years of service. Rapp began work in Albemarle in March of 2020, after serving as Director of Planning and Community Development for the town of Culpeper. A search for a new planning director is underway. Rapp's immediate boss is Jody Filardo, the Director of Community Development. She's been in that position since September of 2019. This week, the Community Development Department sent out a notice for two site plans of note. One is to construct a 1,300-square-foot addition at the North Garden Fire Department. 
Earlier this year, supervisors approved a budget that includes five full-time staff at that station to be there during the daytime to improve response times in the southern portion of Albemarle County. In the second, the owners of Stonefield have put forth a site plan for a seven-story, 112-unit apartment building in what's known as Block C2-1. You may also know this as the intersection of Bond Street and District Avenue. Those are two of the public streets created as part of the initial development of Stonefield. The Associated Press is reporting that a recount in Virginia's 85th House District has reaffirmed a narrow victory by Republican Karen Greenhall over Democrat Alex Askew. The certified election results recorded a 127-vote majority for Greenhall. A panel of three judges oversaw the recount and found this morning that the certified results stand. A recount is still underway in the 91st District. This gives Republicans at least 51 seats in the next General Assembly. In the 91st District, Republican A.C. Cordoza has a 94-vote lead over Democrat Martha Mugler, though there is an independent candidate in that race. Incoming Speaker of the House Todd Gilbert issued a statement this afternoon welcoming Greenhall to the Republican caucus. The final campaign reports are in for this year's elections, covering a period from October 22nd to November 25th. City Councilor-elect Brian Pinkston raised an additional $3,325 during that time and spent $8,938, leaving a balance of $1,227. Pinkston also repaid himself over $7,000 in loans during this period, and in all, Pinkston raised $115,095 in the campaign. Fellow city councilor-elect Juan Diego Wade raised $5,265 during the period and spent $2,702, resulting in a balance of unspent funds of $17,728. In all, Wade raised $101,806 during the campaign. In Albemarle County, Samuel Miller District Supervisor-elect Jim Andrews raised an additional $250, spent $2,015, and ended the campaign with a balance of $17,515. In all, Andrews raised $38,366 during the campaign. Jack Jewett District Supervisor Diantha McKeel raised $250, spent $1,783, and her end-of-the-year bank balance is $20,652. McKeel began the year with $14,971 on hand and raised $19,127 during the 2021 campaign. Rio District Supervisor Ned Galloway has not yet filed a report for this cycle and missed the deadline. In the first three weeks of October, Galloway raised an additional $3 and spent nothing. He began 2021 with a balance of $7,293, raised $10,150, and had a balance of $14,806. None of the candidates in Albemarle County faced any opposition. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second Patreon field shout out, the Rybana Conservation Alliance is looking for a few good volunteers for a couple of upcoming events. 
On Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., the RCA will team up with the James River Association to plant trees along the Rivanna River and Town Branch in the Dunlora neighborhood to serve as a riparian buffer. In all, they're hoping to put in nine acres of trees. On Sunday, the Rivanna Greenbelt Marathon takes place, and the Rivanna Conservation Alliance is the beneficiary. They're looking for a few people to help put on the race. Learn more about both events and the organization at rivannariver.org. Today, three segments to close out the program. The resort company that has been running Wintergreen now owns the Nelson County property. Pacific Group Resorts of Utah had been leasing Wintergreen since 2015, but finalized acquisition from EPR Properties in October. Here's a section from the release. PGRI now owns the real estate, lifts, and snowmaking systems at the resorts in addition to the operating equipment which it previously owned through its operating subsidiaries. The reason that is plural is because the company also picked up a resort in Maryland. Pacific Group Resorts also owns several other ski areas, including the Ragged Mountain Resort in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Virginia and many of its localities are responsible for taking steps to improve water quality in the Chesapeake Bay. That includes Albemarle County, which is in the midst of an initiative to create policies to encourage, incentivize, or mandate the installation of vegetated buffers on the many tributaries of the James River. The board was updated on the Stream Health Initiative on December 1st. Kim Biasioli is the Natural Resources Manager in Albemarle County. She said the initiative is intended to advance the goals of the Climate Action Plan, the Biodiversity Action Plan, and the Comprehensive Plan itself. Of course, the focus of our work here today is on water quality and stream health. Uh, but in protecting stream health and water quality, we're likely to be providing so many other benefits um, for climate, for scenic value and wildlife, uh, for public health, and, and so on. This past summer, supervisors asked staff to come up with more information about what it would take to fully adopt the Chesapeake Bay Preservation Act, which gives localities more options to enforce and require stream buffers. Albemarle is not within the Tidewater region as defined by the act. We found that full adoption uh, is an extremely resource and time-intensive option uh, relative to the anticipated benefits that uh, we feel might be received. The first proposal under consideration would reintroduce a requirement that property owners retain buffers by creating a stream overlay district. Biasioli said this would not require property owners to expand existing buffers if they are not to the requirement established. There's no requirement in mind just yet. The zoning overlay would establish a list of existing uses allowed in these buffer areas. Other ideas under consideration include a program to fund riparian buffers, more oversight of septic fields, and greater incentives for installing best management practices for mitigating the effect of agriculture on the watershed. Finally today, five Virginia companies will receive $778,000 in grants from the U.S. Department of Agriculture from the Rural Energy for America program. According to the USDA website, this initiative provides guaranteed loan financing and grant funding to agricultural producers and rural small businesses for renewable energy systems or to make energy efficiency improvements. The recipients are... 
$500,000 for the Waverly RBSPE LLC in the 4th House District, $139,671 for Zion Crossroads Recycling Park in the 5th House District, Twin Oaks North gets $52,225, that's in the 6th District, and Railside Industries, LLC, also of the 6th District, gets $21,424. In the 7th House District, Mill Quarter Plantation, LLC, gets $64,680. Thanks to the nonprofit group Resilient Virginia for the hat tip in pointing that out today. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you to everybody this week who has chipped in with a Substack contribution in the form of a subscription, either at $5, $50 a year, or $200 a year. That money goes directly to me to keep doing this work, which is quite fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Also, thanks to Ting for matching that amount uh, in the case of the first payment, which is really also fantastic. Ting will also, if you look in the details in the newsletter, there's also a deal where you can get uh, your second month free if you follow the link that's in the newsletter. Thank you, Ting, for supporting this brand of community journalism. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, committed to community journalism, just like I have been since 1992, when I first started as a reporter for a long-gone newspaper at Virginia Tech. Thank you very much for everybody who is listening. Please send this on to other people. Have a great weekend, or... Or if not, maybe you'll tune in and maybe there'll be another installment tomorrow. There definitely will be a week ahead out on Sunday. Um, But I am going to try to get another one out tomorrow because there is still so much to get to that I have not been able to do so just yet. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host. I'll be back next time. Thanks a lot. Stay safe and have a great time.